You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. Exposing the struggles and celebrating the successes in the life of coaches who are action takers and creating authentic impact in today's world. Whether you're just starting out, expanding your reach, or exploding your impact, you're in the right place right now. Stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Now, here are your hosts of the Coach's Journey Podcast. All right. Uh, Looks like we're live uh, on Facebook and today... It's actually Jeff Cockrell joining me uh, as a co-host, uh, and uh, we have a great topic for you. I think probably one of the most important topics in the sales, uh, uh, on the sales side, on the business side of uh, your coaching business, which is handling objections uh, or dealing with hesitation around your clients signing up for your program. How do we approach that? Uh, how do we do that from the sales point of view? And if you actually, if you haven't watched our sales series, we actually did a multiple different conver- uh, conversations around this. Uh, make sure you watch that. It's all around sales. It's part one, two, and three, uh, for, starting from um, where do we find our clients, ideal clients. Um, so I'm excited to jump into the topic, but before that, uh, what uh, maybe we can jump into some wins. Uh, Jeff, please share a win with us before we get started. Well, I, ironically, I'm, I'm one of the reasons as we were talking is what's been on my mind is it's really about how do we handle the hesitation? How do we demonstrate value for our clients? And, and I've just recently put together two, two programs that deal specifically with that. And they're tailored to coaches. And so I'm excited about the fact that those have been, uh, let me turn off and my notifications are on my phone. Um, and I'm excited. Those I just just uploaded those, and they're going to be released released uh, very shortly here as part of a, a sales package that uh, we have it. Uh, we'll have it on CoachingMasteryCommunity.com specifically for coaches. How do we have that conversation easily and with integrity to get people to say, "Yeah, I want to work with you." Awesome. So That's a just great win. That. I'm jazzed. Great, great win. I'm excited for that uh, for that too because I haven't actually seen it. Uh, no, you haven't. I've seen the general framework, but not the, not the course itself. So excited to see that on our platform at Coaching Mastery mm-hmm. Community. And, and uh, I'll share a little bit of a when I actually had my first strategy conversation with the program that I signed up for. It's, um, it's a mastermind type of program, but you get one-on-one support consistently as well on the marketing and business side of things. Uh, for me, I'm in the growing stages, uh, stage of my business and I realized I need to build all my systems because uh, I'm doing so many things and, and I'm like, okay, I need support in this area. And I finally went for that. Uh, it was a pretty uh, high ticket price. Uh, but after having that conversation today, I was like, holy shoot, this is amazing. <laughs> I needed this uh, uh, a while ago and it was an investment in me and my clients and my business. I, I needed to move towards that. So that's a huge win for me. And I'm already really excited to put everything together and, and really set up the systems in my business to, to move things forward. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, but aside from that, I do want to share a little bit about our sponsor, which is Coaching Mastery Community. Um, uh, it's a community of coaches that we have where we support coaches to develop coaching mastery and business mastery so they can take their uh, impact and income to the next level. They can establish profitable businesses while impacting others in, in, in a service-oriented, meaningful way. Um, and um, I mean, I've said this over and over that this up, up until where I am has been the community has had a huge part in, in getting my business to this point. And I was sharing it with the business coach. Despite my best efforts, I am, I'm still a six-figure coach. <laughs> despite my because i'm looking at like he's asking like do you have this do you have this i'm like nope 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 i don't have any of that (laughs) excuse me so uh i'm still dealing with a little bit of uh, the the leftover of the the cold um that i had this past week uh uh, but i'd love to hear from jeff as well uh what has he gained from the coaching mastery community as, as a member and part of the leadership team too um, you know, it's it's interesting as as you were talking about that, and and I was thinking it it for me it's also it's also been a huge part of 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 staying in the game, and um, 
because of what I mean, as a since I'm a Dale Carnegie trainer, then I also a lot of my time ends up being being pulled away to prepare for and then deliver that that training. And what coaching mastery community has done for me personally is helped me keep in the game and continue to move forward in my coaching practice. Ironically, just yesterday I did I did something similar. I signed up with a um, program specifically around okay, let's lay this, let's build this foundation um, so that I can take greater control over over my coaching practice and rather than rather than leaving it ad hoc and reactive to all the other stuff that's been going on and so i'm 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 jazzed about that as well <clears throat> and coaching mastery community has been a huge part of that in addition the, i think one of the big things coaching mastery community has done for me is in it's helped me believe in the power of collaboration i know that as coaches we're all working from an abundance mentality. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's all about helping other people and I give and I get back and until it comes to our own practice. And notice how many gurus out there are all about me, follow me. And that I think is one of the differences about coaching mastery community. It's not about following somebody. It's about working with people, with other coaches and as a group moving forward. And so it's it's really validated what I've always known to be true. And in some cases been a little bit uh, maybe reluctant to engage in is that feeling that, all right, I really am in this with other people. It doesn't have to be just me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's been one of the big insights for me is that belief that, you know, I, collaboration, collaboration, not collaboration works is not what I mean, but it's really about trusting that other people will treat me with respect and they can, they will help me as I help them. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I think it's a very human thing. Uh, we, we lose sight of that just because, uh, I mean, when you look at the commercial world, the industrial world, it's very focused on what can I, what do I need to do? What do I need to move forward? It's very individualistic in nature, but the, when you actually look at how human beings operate, we're not very individualistic by nature. We need support consistently in all parts of our life, from our personal life to our, uh, all, uh, even people who work in companies, I mean, organizations, what do they, they, they have a lot of support. They just don't realize it because it's in the background. But think about an, as somebody coming from a corporate world with a lot of coaches come from that, they are thrown into the entrepreneurial world. All of a sudden they realize, holy shoot, they have none of that support. And that's right. Now they realize, holy shit, I'm doing everything, every part of the business. That's when you start to realize, holy, uh, I, I do need that support. And uh, I completely agree. A huge part of coaching master community has been is that it helps you develop the confidence to move forward because you don't feel like you're doing this alone, but you're also right. getting a lot from other people's efforts, perspectives, and you're getting consistent feedback in the process. And that has been the thing that has been very helpful for me. So much so that I'll, pretty much everything that I'm doing is on the collaboration end right now. There's mm -hmm. nothing that I'm doing that's alone because I mean, I, I learned that within the community. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And for anybody who wants to learn more about Jeff's journey, we have done another, uh, actually a couple other podcast uh, uh, conversations. Uh, yeah, we might have. Was it two I, I, know we did, I think we did one. Think we, I know, one, I think we one. Did. Okay, so this is the second one. Uh, so we did a conversation around his journey and, and uh, I think it's around uh, building memberships. Uh, that's actually mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the favorite episodes that, that we've heard. So we shared a lot of value in there. Thank so you. let's, uh, no problem. Uh, let's jump into the conversation. Let's get started with handling objections or, or maybe we can start it around the sales conversation that starts there, but then we can go towards handling objections. You bet. Right, you you bet. take, you take it on. What's, what's on your mind, Jeff, please share. Well, as, as I've been, been thinking through this, I, I think objections, when I, objections, hesitations, um, challenges, however we want to phrase it. The, the tendency for us, at least for me, at least for me, is I, I, I always go into a conversation hoping I don't get any. And then they show up and it's like, oh my gosh. And, and I'm not as mentally prepared for them as I need to be because, because I'm, I, I'm really thinking if I, just, if I just ignore them, they won't happen. But they do. It's like, uh, it's like somebody getting ready to run the hurdles in the Olympics. You never see the person who's going to run the hurdles. They go out, they put their feet in the blocks, 
they settle down, they get their fingers right up behind the line. They rock back and forth and they look up and they go, what? Where did the, how did those things get here? I, I didn't realize I'd have to jump over those. Uh, they know that they're going to be there. So they practiced it. And I remember, I was, I remember one of the things, uh, one of the hurdlers in the eighties and I guess yeah, late seventies, early eighties was a guy named Edwin Moses. And for like 12 years, he held the world record in, in the 400 meter hurdles. And he, one of the things he worked on was he took 13 steps between the hurdles. Now, other other hurdlers would, as they would get tired, they'd go from 13 to 14 to 15 steps. And so in the second half of the race, you could just see him begin to pull away because that was what he trained himself to do was he, he ran 13 steps and then hurdled. And when you watched him, it was just, he's running, running, running. And all of a sudden his head just dips a little bit. His leg comes up. I mean, it was almost no break in his speed because he prepared for it. And I believe it's the same way with hesitations. Those knowing that they're going to come, that there is going to be some times when our, our client is thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can afford this. I don't know if this is going to be right for me. Uh, and, and our, one of the biggest challenges for us is to make sure that we respond appropriately. What I've noticed is there's typically two responses. One is, okay, um, you need to talk to your, you need to talk to your spouse. Okay. Well, um, uh, so you can talk to her, talk to him or her tonight. And, and I'll, uh, uh, so when can we talk again? More of a, a fear-based response. The yeah. other one tends to be a little more aggressive. Oh, we, really? Okay. Well, let's, let's go ahead and work through this. And the problem with both of those is obviously they're extremes. <clears throat> it really needs to be neutral because first off we don't even know what actually is causing them to hesitate notice that hesitation there <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so when somebody says well okay for instance i was uh, when i was i remember that the lesson came home to me when i was um, selling dale carnegie training i'd had the opportunity to work with the u.s air force or at least with the Air Force, what, become, what has become the Air Force Research Laboratory, it was called Phillips Lab at the time, but it was it was military and civilian personnel, and it was on, Air, on Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, my boss had been trying to work with them for the last couple of years, and he had not been successful. He could not, he couldn't get them past, um, you know, we, we can't, that's too much, that's too expensive. And after a couple of years, and I was, I started working. He said, "Look, you used to be in the military. You understand how that works. You do. You see if you can move it forward." So I went, and they they were happy to meet with me. I went out and talked to them about it, and and they said, "Yeah, we would love to do that." And I said, "Well, here's here's what the price point would be," and they said, "Yeah, that's too much." And rather than just say, "Well, okay," um, I just I followed the process that I teach in our in this program that I built, which is. I said, well, I can certainly understand that that the investment, you know, investment needs to make sense. Uh, is there anything else? And they said, no. And I said, so, all right, well, tell me, tell me about this. When you say it's too much, what does that mean? That was the question my boss had never asked. And they said, oh, well, um, if we do it for this price point, if we do it, if it's if the price is above thirty thousand dollars, it might have been forty thousand, but if it's above this certain point. It has to go out for bid, and you will not win the bid. We would love to do business with you, but we can't do it. We can't do it above this amount. And I went, oh, so if we just had fewer participants in the in the program, enough where it brought us brought it up under that price point, then we'd go ahead and do it. And they said, oh yeah, without without a doubt. And we ended up doing about three hundred thousand dollars worth of business over the next couple of years. We just ran smaller classes for them, but it was because I took the time to you know rather than respond and go. Well, okay, you know, I, yeah, that's what my boss has been telling me. I just thought I'd try or try to beat them into submission. I was just, all right, neutral response was, is there anything else? And then, um, so tell me about it, which is the two, the two key, actually the key response at the beginning is whenever they give us a hesitation or an objection, the first thing we do is we validate it because in their mind, it is real. Whether we think it's real or not, doesn't matter. They think it is. And if we just immediately start trying to overcome it, then they're, 
I mean, there's immediate resistance. So first thing we do is, oh, you know, I can, yeah, I can understand that. That certainly makes sense to me. And then we ask, is there anything else? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really love this. Uh, uh, and, and maybe we can bring back the spouse example as well, because I'd say one of the most common objections that I've seen is around, oh, I need to talk to my spouse. I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to my husband. Um, and um, but what I love about this is, is and you kind of alluded to it, is that if, if we're not dealing with it, if we're not clarifying what it is, then we're coming from a space of fear. Uh, because we are like, well, maybe they didn't get value in our own mind. Maybe they don't like the program. Maybe they, they don't like me. Maybe all sorts of stuff. And we were too afraid to ask, go towards that. But we don't even know what that means, what they're trying to say in that moment. So uh, validating what they're saying, which to them, it's valid, whatever it is in that moment and understanding, okay, that that makes sense. And then the next step is actually just what what does that mean when you say that? Uh, that it's too much. Uh, and in that case, it was such a powerful example that you gave is that they they had an actual hurdle that they need to work needed to work out, but they didn't know how to do that because they didn't know if that because they didn't have that option from you. No. But now you can create an option for them if that's that's again. But I love what you said around before that is that is there anything else outside of that? Because that's, that's something I think I learned from Brian Tracy and his book, The Psychology of Selling, is that always, like if somebody brings up an objection, always deal with, uh, don't just go towards that without thinking about, is there anything else there? Is there Are there any other concerns that you have? If we, if we dealt with this, would that be like, uh, would you uh, move ahead if you want to go in? And, but I like the way you ask it because it's very simple. It's like, is there anything else outside of that? Um, and I actually used one of the things that, that you shared, uh, which I actually use, I've used it consistently for the past three, four, three years, I think. Like, is there any reason why you shouldn't do this? I asked them before they even present an objection, just, just so it gets them in, the, in that mindset. Uh, but I love it. But I, I'd love for you to go towards the spouse side, uh, because I've dealt with those objections in this exact way that you shared too. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> in both extreme ways. So, how would we uh, how would we approach it? How would you approach? It? Well, so in the 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 first step, first off, first thing we have to realize is that when there is a hesitation, our the first response is to make sure that we get that we get them all. Then the second response is to find the one. And I used on I, I call this program the hesitation matrix. I used the matrix as a as sort of a uh, metaphor or a theme throughout because you know you think about morpheus he's talking to neil and he says you know i know you've been looking for me for the last few years i have spent my entire life looking for you and neo was he was the one well typically there's really one has one thing that's causing him to hesitate and until we figure that out then every time we handle a hesitation if it's not the one they'll have another one they'll have another one They'll have another one and they'll all sound good. And what happens is we start looking needy. We start looking unprofessional because we, I essentially look at it. I, I, the example I use is if you ever been to a carnival or a circus and played whack-a-mole where this thing pops up, you got to hit it with a hammer yeah. and, and there's something yeah. else. I mean, that's what we look like. We're just, okay. And we never actually get to what's really bothering them. Because before we get there, they'll just be like, well, it's not going to work. And we'll get tired. They'll get tired. So that's the reason we, the first response is understand, I don't have to answer this. I do not have to answer this yet. I just have to understand it. And the first thing to understand is, is this the one? So, hey, I can appreciate that. I, you know, oh, I've, I've got to talk to my spouse. I can certainly, I can appreciate that. I certainly understand how important it is to make sure that if we're be going to be focusing on pushing through some things, that's that family support is absolutely critical. Is there anything else? And they may say, well, I'm really I'm a little bit concerned about how this might work financially. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. I mean, if we're going to invest this kind of money, we want to make sure that it's really going to return on, give us a good return on the investment. Is there anything else? And we just keep asking until they say, no, that's about it. And typically it'll be the last one that they've given us. But we don't know that for sure. 
That's why we have to ask something along the lines of, I just want to make sure that, so if we can, if, if we can get, get it so that the finances make sense to you and that this is a good investment, then we can go ahead and move forward, right? And they say, yeah. So it sounds to me like the conversation with your spouse is really not the holdup. Is that fair? I go, yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. So talk to me about the finances. What's going on? And now we have a chance to coach them to a different, different solution. Often when they say I have to talk to my spouse, that's a stall. That's that it's not the real objection. Right. Because it's almost never, it's never the last one they give. It's always the first one, isn't it? Yeah. So what what would because I've dug into that a little bit more around it. They they will say uh, that no, I, I just need to make sure that any bigger decision that we make, we make it together. So what if you you're dealing with that? Okay. Well, then um, so if that is the one, now we enter the coaching mode. We don't have to handle the objection. We have to help them handle the objection. Okay. So then we're going to the other extreme that you mentioned. Well, no, 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 no. This is, I'm sorry. This is, when you think about coaching, what we're doing with coaching is we're asking questions. We're guiding them to a better answer. So we're supporting them to help deal with their spouse's objection. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we, we want to equip them. If it's really about dealing with their, you know, hand talking to the spouse, we want to equip them to be able to, present an argument in favor of it. Okay. Um, the first thing I would, you know, if they say, well, it really is, it really is about having, you know, having a conversation with my spouse. Yeah, I'd certainly understand that. Just to be clear, if your, if your wife says, yeah, this is, I think this is a good decision. You're going to go ahead with it. Is that right? And if they say, well, then it's something else. Okay. Okay, so we're still checking in there. That's right. So they say, well, you know, you other things. and No, it's really just my spouse. So then if, all right, fair enough. I just want to make sure that we're, we're clear on this. So if your wife says, yeah, this is a good deal, then we're going to go ahead and move forward. Is that right? Okay. And they say, yeah, okay. Well, then, then let, and this is something you want to do. If she says yes, you're, yep. All right. Well, then how, what do you think is the best way to go about this? How do we get her on your side? Now we're coaching again. Does that does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. So, and I've done that part. Okay. Um, and but I there is a subtle point in there is that making sure that that's not the only, that's not the last objection. Exactly. Because they might say that that oh I need to speak to my spouse, but still checking in. It's like okay, so assuming that your spouse moves forward, then you're in the program right? That's right. I I think that's a very powerful point because if we don't check in and then we're just kind of going on a trail with no end. That's exactly right. And they'll, and they'll, cause what they'll do is they'll say, no, that's, that's it. I just really talked to my spouse. And then we start handling it as opposed to saying, I just want to be clear. We have to, again, we have to find the one. And you think about Morpheus. I mean, he, he brought in Cypher, he brought in Trinity, I mean, he brought in other people before he found Neo, before he found the one. And so we may get we may get several objections and they say, yeah, if we can handle this one, then we can move forward. And then we bury the other. So so what I'm hearing then is the others really are not the critical ones. This is it. Yeah, it is. Okay. So if we can solve this to your satisfaction, then we'll go ahead and move forward. Well, eh, maybe not. Well, there must be something else. Would you tell me what it is? Okay. So if they say, well, you know, if I have, my wife says, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. Okay. Well, there's something else that's causing you to hesitate. Do you mind if I ask what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this. And and then the rest is just doing what you were doing before you're coaching. No kidding. Through, yeah. through the process. And that's why, I mean, I, one of the things that I think has helped me and I, I, Brendan Burchard gave us this book to sell us human it really helped me clarify that okay, the coaching in the modern uh, selling in the modern world is completely coaching. There is no it really is. Between the two. Um, and it's always been that way. Yeah. The, the ones who are really good at it, it's always been like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard uh, Myron Golden say something, which was kind of a game changer for me. I I've always, I, what I've always heard was people love to buy, 
they hate to be sold. And, and he said, he said, I, I, he said, I challenge that. What I've noticed is people love to buy and they love to be sold if they're sold well. Yeah. Because, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Faisal, is when we look at it as, as really affect, being a professional salesperson is they coach us. They coach us to a better answer. They coach us through the challenges we throw up, the roadblocks. And when you have a great coaching session with somebody, and I'm not, I mean, as a client, you're a client and someone has done a great job coaching you. I, I don't know about you. I'm energized. I'm excited. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's the same way when someone is sold well, when, when, a, a, when a sales professional really coaches them through it. And as coaches, we've committed not only to become professional coaches, but because we're professional coaches, it's very easy to be professional in how we, in how we sell because it is, it's just coaching. The big, here's the big difference that I've noticed in coaching. We're typically paid before we coach in sales. We're typically paid after we coach. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I love that. And I, I, I think the, one, one of the things that I realized as I was starting out that I had, pre, I mean, I had coaching training, but I couldn't connect the sales with the coaching as much. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about well, one of the challenges I think coaches bring with it, and I brought brought that to the picture quite a bit, and I see every other coach I talk to, they do the same thing. Well, they have all this hesitation around money. So, and I always say this, I'm like, if you take coaches and take money out of the picture and they just, like it wasn't money and they were offering something else, they would be like the most perfect salespeople. <laughs> like they wouldn't have any problem whatsoever. As soon as you bring money, there's a psychology that comes with it. There's yep. a, there's, there are all sorts of fears. There are all sorts of uh, scarcity uh, stuff that comes with it. That comes So they might know how to deal with objections, but because their energy is so closed off, it might not come across the best way. So what would you say might be good ways of dealing with that, especially for coaches who are starting out and they're, they haven't had any background sales experience and they're just putting themselves out there and, and starting to sell? Well, when it, so first off, there's, I, I mean, the mindset around money is that's a whole, that's a whole coaching program. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, for people to understand that a couple of things I've noticed is when we get under pressure, we tend to perform the way we practiced. So one thing I would recommend is practice, you know, write down, write down the, the hesitations that you get in the language that your customer says them, your client says them. And then, you know, hand them to your spouse, hand them to your husband, hand them to your wife, say, listen, I'd like to practice with this and have them and just, you know, just practice it. And again, this, this whole, this program on handling hesitation is one of the bonus, is one of the bonus features on coachingmasterycommunity.com where it will be within the next week or so. And so my recommendation is practice it. The second thing is, un second thing, the second thing. <laughs> I just just washed my hands. Can't do a thing with them. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, every time we go to it, it's funny. You reminded me of that when we go for sushi. When we're running, writing the numbers, some places it's been the most funniest thing. We would write two and four would show up. I'm like, I think I have a very different math system. <laughs> yeah, I know. It reminded me of that. So. Um, there's really only there's obviously first off the best place to handle a hesitation is before it happens. So if we know we're getting if we start getting one consistently, then we have to look at okay what am I what am I saying or not saying that's uh, that's causing that question to be raised, causing that question in their mind. Oh, that's the second thing to understand is a hesitation is not no. They're not saying no if they're not saying click or get away from me, or if they're not calling security, then they haven't said no yet. At that point, you need to back off. Yeah, at that point, yeah. If you get to that, then yes, I would kind of dial it back a little bit. But if they're still engaged in the conversation, they're looking for help. They want to get through this. And we have an obligation. We have a responsibility to help our clients succeed. 
And if we know that what we have is going to make a difference for them, then we have a moral obligation to help them work with us. And the challenge, of course, is we, we get around money and we think, oh my gosh, what, you know, is it too much? Here's the, here's the, what I, one of the things I found about, uh, about money is you can't, I don't want to see, you can't sell out of your own pocket. You don't know how valuable it is to them. You only know the price you put on it. Value is what someone will trade in exchange for what you have. And we don't, we don't determine value. We may determine price, but we don't determine value for someone else. We can influence it. We can help them see more value, but the devaluate the value the, the the valuation is from them. So you know, one of the things in the Western culture, we see you know here's this we walk into a store. Here's what the price is, and okay, that's what we pay, and we assume that that's the value. No, in non-Western cultures, they see the price and they go in, and they start negotiating. Yeah, I saw. Is that right? Pretty much everywhere outside of North yes. America and Europe. <laughs> That's right, and and they start negotiating until they get to what is a what is in in the opinion of both of them a fair exchange of value. And so in in our in our culture, we look at go. Oh, I'm going to create this offer stack, and it's got, you know, I have my coaching, and here's the value, and and I have this bonus, and here's the value, and I have this bonus, and here's the value. Those are just price points that we have placed on them. The reason the reason we have copy, the reason we have this conversation with them is to demo, is to help them see that this is more valuable than the money they're going to have to exchange to get it. And and so if they have not left the conversation at some level, they're thinking, I believe this is worth more than what I'm going to pay for it. I just have to figure out either how to pay for it or how to justify it, or I need some additional proof uh, to overcome some doubt that I have. But they haven't said no. And, and that's why it's so important at the beginning to remember that whatever they say, our job is not to respond to that yet. In fact, our job is really never to respond to it. Our job is to help them respond to it. Yeah. I, I really love this because uh, that the conversation of value is very important. And unless somebody has invested money in any part of their life, they won't, they won't understand this. But fortunately, Boom. most people have. Most people have, especially coaches have, like when coaches come into the picture, they have invested in themselves and their business and all sorts of other parts of their life. Uh, so uh, for example, literally this past month, I've invested pretty much well over 40K in my business. Now to me, uh, like that money hasn't gone anywhere. I am getting a lot of value in return for what I'm doing because it's gonna come back and help my business. So, like you said, like I loved being sold to. I just wanted to see the value. I yes. just had the conversation to see the value. What are they giving? And I'm like, I'm in. Uh, it, it's and my objections were just for the most part questions. Okay, what about this? What about that? What about that? And and once it went through, and I'm very comfortable being sold to at this point because mm -hmm. that's what I do anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was a time where I, I wasn't, so it was very interesting. Before, like I had a business, I was very uncomfortable with the notion of sales, and, and this is a part to sell as human helping because, like you said, sales at a higher level has always been in, in the sense of service for others. Yeah. But at the normal level, how we, how it's been shown to a lot of people, it hasn't been like that. People no. are used to that, that sense of, okay, let me, somebody's going to take my uh, money. Because let, they let me, let me convince you to do something that you don't really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, so I, I think at the normal level, uh, we're all kind of, triggered in one way or another by people selling something to us so we're we, we're not used to until we run into something somebody who's like holy shoot this person is giving us a lot of value and they have the integrity and all that stuff that comes along with it so i think it, it, in a sense a lot of this money psychology and say psychology goes out down comes down to our own training our own mind to get mm -hmm. adjusted because once our perception catches up then 
we shouldn't bring that energy. We, we shouldn't naturally bring that energy, not because we're not even thinking about that. But if that stuff is in the background, we're not gonna, we're gonna hesitate ourselves. It's sure. like, oh, am I actually providing the value? But I love what you said because value is not determined by you. That's right. Because, and I've asked my clients this directly because one of my clients I talked to and he was considering becoming a coach, he was hesitating with that. I'm like, and I asked him that directly. I'm like, listen, you've invested in, in, in this program for the past year. Um, and, and I hesitated a little bit too, but I'm like, this is important <laughs> to ask you think he's going to point black. Have you gotten the value? That, uh, that from the program, the money that you've invested is like, yeah, more, more, more so. So I took a deep breath, <laughs> more, more than what I've invested. And he's <sighs> continued to pay me uh, every month. I'm like, when that money comes out of your account, is that a negative thing for you? He's like, no, I'm getting so much out of this. And you've been generous with your time. And, and I've grown so much in my team with, uh, with, uh, with uh, my work, with my relationships, with so many aspects of my life. And, and, I was just trying to show him that I, I didn't take anything from him. I gave, I gave him something like there are a lot of people waiting for, for them to be given this value, but you're not providing it. You're not offering it at this point. Um, and, and this is something uh, what, like, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm not sure that I followed that. As in he was, he was hesitating to make the offer, right. To, to make the offer to, uh, and offer can be at so many levels. For example, for, for us, what we're talking about is you jump on a call, on a discovery call or a strategy call, however you want to call it. The offer can be, hey, let, let's have a conversation around that. And then within that call, you can offer your package, which will be a price point you're set for it. Mm -hmm. And within that strategy call, you they see the value of what you're, what you're giving, uh, what you're offering for them. And if they see the value, then the rest is just, like you said, you're uh, coaching them through uh, to help them make the decision. Yes. Yeah. The other, the, another important aspect, you talk about seeing the value in the coaching, uh, particularly in our initial session, in our strategy session, our discovery call, we're, we're asking questions. As a coach, that's what we do. We ask questions and we understand. Yes. There are some things specifically we should be looking to understand. Obviously, one of them is when they say, I need to get better at this. Okay, why? Why is that important to you to improve in that? And, and then I would ask a couple of additional questions. So if somebody says, well, I, you know, I need to be, I really need to improve my productivity. I mean, as a high performance coach, that's often what we get. I need to be more productive. Okay, so when you're more productive, what's that going to do for you? Why is that important? Well, then it, um, you know, I can be, get promoted. Cool. That's excellent. And what's that going to allow you to do? When you've been promoted, how's, how's your life going to change? Until we get to something that is emotional, we haven't gotten to the bedrock reason. When they say, well, you know, I'm, I've got my, my daughter's going to be going to college in about three years, and, and I haven't been able to save as, enough, as much as I want in order to provide for her college education. Oh, really? And that's important to you because, because I'm a dad, I need to make sure that she's taken care of. Okay. Now we have a reason. Yeah. So now it's the reason you want to become more productive is so that you can be in the audience watching your daughter graduate yeah. from the college of her choice. That's very different than I need to, I need to just get promoted. Uh, I really love that because, I mean, it goes back to coaching skill sets. Uh, I mean, a lot of times, every person, even coaches I talk to, they talk a lot about block times and productivity and calendar and all that stuff. And I do too. But there's something I've realized in my coaching sessions. People people don't do that stuff because they want to do that stuff. Nobody wants no. I don't want to do that stuff. Uh, I've gotten used to it at this point, but people do that stuff because there's a higher purpose, purpose associated with it. And that purpose is deeply connected to who they are. And until they figure that out, until they feel it, like you said, at an emotional level, they probably won't want, they don't have a higher necessity around it. No, and, and that's one of the key areas of high performance as well, is that if you don't have necessity, you're not going to take action. No matter how great the tool is, no matter how amazing the system seems like, you, you won't take the action. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, it's, it's going back to when we're, when we're working people through a hesitation, then we can say, you know, one of the things you told me was that 
you want to be sitting in the audience watching your daughter walk across the stage at the college, at, you know, at this college or whatever college she's chosen. And you said that was important to you. Sometimes we have to remind them. And it's, and I, it, may feel, it may feel like, oh my gosh, I'm manipulating them. Here's the thing about manipulation. If you think you're manipulating, you're manipulating. No. If you're trying to help them make a better decision and, and that decision happens to benefit you as a coach, that, does not, that is not the same as manipulation. Yeah. because sometimes that better decision is not going to be working with you as a coach. And that's also okay. But most of the time, if, if they've gotten to a, to a discovery call with us, they they realize that, that the relationship they're going to have with you can add value. And the value has, it has to go both ways. This is, that's the reason you ask that we, we have people pay us twofold. One is, because our time and our expertise and, and what we bring is valuable. The second is, if they don't put some skin in the game, they will not take action. And as a result, they will not benefit as much as they could if they put money in the game, which goes back to the question about value. And I remember, uh, I think it was um, uh, uh, Charlie who had said what his he typically would ask people as he's talking to me, say, so, you know, what do you, so what do you think this is, what do you think this is worth? You know, this coaching program, he had in his mind, what he wanted to charge, I think was about $6,000, but he said, um, so what do you think this is worth? And, you know, some people would say, well, it's worth 3000 or it's worth 4,000. Uh, some would say six and, and he would, he would charge them whatever, you know, whatever they said. That was how he, how he started originally until one guy said, um, it's got to be about $18,000 because if I don't pay at least that much, I won't take it seriously. And he went, okay, well, I'll charge you 18,000 then. <laughs> and he said, that was, that was what keyed him that what he was bringing was more valuable than what people were paying. And he had, he was not charging enough. Yeah. And yeah. which goes back to the value. The other person places value on something. We don't. Yeah. That, that was a huge realization for me. And then actually one of the reasons why I signed up with, <laughs> with this, uh, with the business coach and this, uh, the marketing coach was that I was, and I've been thinking about this for the past, literally six months. I'm like, I need to double my rates. I need to double, double my rates. And I, <laughs> I have not been doing it. I was already overloaded. I had too many clients. I'm like, I don't want more one-on-one -on -one clients. And right. a couple of ways you do that. You just don't offer your one-on-one -on -one services or you raise the rate to a point where, let's say somebody signs up at least it's worth your while and yeah. uh and because i have multiple packages i have group and two different levels of one-on-one -on -one, uh, they will likely want to go most of them will likely want to go to a group and then the ones who are more into one-on-one -on -one, they're paying me a premium price for me to show up for my one-on-one -on -one. but i never took action around that i had my own hesitations and blocks and i don't know what it was but i got on a call he's like it's like, okay, you looked at my whole uh, uh, the thing that I'm following, like, so wh why are you charging 10K? And as soon as he asked me, I, I already made up my mind. I'm like, I don't know how I, why I'm charging <laughs> that. I should be charging double that. And then we, with he's like, okay, so if you charge, he didn't even tell me what to do. He's like, if you charge this here and this here, and he asked me what it was, then how much would you charge for a group PhD? As he laid that out, I was like, okay. My mind is made up. I'm done. This is how much I'm charging from now on. That was very highly valuable for me because all of it, and, and, and it, it made me realize, I'm like, it takes the same amount of effort for me to find a 20K client or a 10K client. There's no difference. Yeah. In, in fact, I, I would actually bet you it almost, it probably takes less effort to get a 20K client than a 10K client. Possibly. I'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because if they, if they know it's 20, and they know it's 20,000, then they're, they're serious about this. Yeah. And I'll bet you they show up differently. Yeah, and I've noticed that as I've and I've I have raised my prices significantly since I remember the first time I charged five thousand dollars. I was <laughs> I literally have said this on the podcast. I I made the offer. I was like, it will be five thousand dollars, and the client literally said, "Okay, sounds good." And I said it again. It will be five thousand dollars. It didn't register. <laughs> 
I said it three times. Oh my gosh. Three times. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, you can just, just put it on my credit card. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's how it was like thinking about it. I was like, well, shoot, I'm the problem. The client is not the problem. Yeah. Again, it's, and this is one of the things we, you know, when I teach salespeople, I tell them, don't sell out of your own pocket. Just because you think something is expensive doesn't mean that the client or customer thinks it's, it's expensive. It's a value question and they will decide what it's worth. We just get to decide the price. They decide the value. Yeah. And then one thing I, I was having a conversation with a coach at this point. So when you look at the coaching world, there are no standards at this point. No, there's not. Pricing. Literally, I've met coaches who are charging millions of dollars, coaches who are charging hundreds of thousands, coaches who are charging at five figure. And yes, there's something to be said said about somebody's circle and skill sets and experience, but it's still a huge range between uh, what you would charge. So really, whatever rate you pick, I, I think we'll be fine. A lot of coaches, more than likely, they charge much lower than they charge. Oh, oh yeah. I, I did. I was doing some research a couple of weeks ago. According to the International Coaching Federation, the average, the average, you know what the average coach earns per hour? No, I'm curious to know. $33. No way. Yeah, 30, $33.16, I think. I was, I was so stunned. Is that what they earn after everything? They, they said, make? they said, at, I don't know, they just said average coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. doesn't matter if it's after everything. That's still a pittance. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that, that hit me because, in, and I, and one of my, I was talking to a coach and he was like, how much, how much should I charge? And he was thinking about maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll just charge at the level of 60K. I'm like, you know, if you charge that, you, you're thinking this is not a job you're doing. You're running a business. There are a lot of things involved in there. There's sales, there's marketing, there's content creation, there's preparation, there's work after. You don't even know how much time you're spending to get one client and take them through a process. More than likely, it will be three times the amount of work than you think it is. And you're working on yourself itself as you move forward. So whatever you're thinking is very, very low. And I literally got him to at least double that, uh, double what he was charging, but more than likely it will be more. Uh, obviously, uh, one thing I, I would say is that you need to be able to deliver value. and Oh, definitely. It's it, like that goes without saying. So we don't charge people for the sake of charging people, but we need to be able to deliver value. And your client determines that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And the market determines that because let's say you charge, let, let's say for a package, $5,000. You charge one person, let's say you're assuming you're good at sales after having a few conversations, you, you land a couple of clients. Great. You coach them through that. Based on those couple of clients, you will find out whether or not you delivered value because they will give you feedback. And second, you will get, get or not get referrals. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, it's funny. I was thinking about one of my clients and it, uh, <clears throat> After we got done with our, we got done with our program and he connected with me, oh, about six months later, he said, yeah, I finally made the decision. He said, I uh, went ahead and he had left his company to get a, you know, because he'd been recruited away at more pay with a job that was going to be more fun. And he said, I didn't never had the confidence to do this had I not coached. So here's my question. What was the value to him? Yes, it was an increase in pay. It was certainly an increase in in enjoyment. I mean, it was just there were so many things that happened. Now, I couldn't predict that. Even as we were working together, he was getting he was getting huge value, and and that's one of the reasons it's so important when we're in our discovery session to ask the questions about. So, what does this mean to you? If this happens, so what? How's that going to help? Why does that matter? And so think about this, this you know, father who wants to watch his daughter walk across the stage and graduate from college. Who can put a price on that? I can't, but the father can. So we talk about value. Um, if we're really, if we're, we believe we can help people, and, and we do. I mean, I, uh, I remember one guy that, and this was, this was one of my favorite stories about missed opportunities. We had a, um, 
when I was work, working, we gone to a small town and we were, we were putting a Dale Carnegie course together. And my boss walked in on a, walked into a guy who had a, he was a, owned a small business and they, he tried to enroll him in the Dale Carnegie course. And the guy said, no, no, I don't, no, I can do it. And so they got to talking and uh, he was, he said, yeah, I can't, I can't afford it because I'm going to go buy a big screen TV. I'm having a Super Bowl party and, and, you know, I'm going to be doing all this stuff and catering. And so it's going to take, you know, a big chunk of my finances over the next, uh, next couple of months. So I can't afford it. That was his reason. And I don't know why my boss didn't pursue it, but, and he had a brand new Range Rover outside, outside of his, outside of his business. And so the next year we were back in that town and we go by and that this business is out of bit. It's closed. It's out of business. And so my, my boss was talking to the guy next door. He said, what happened? He said, yeah, his wife left him. I said, really? Um, yeah. He said, yeah, she took, took the house. He said, what happened to the big screen TV? Yeah. His wife took that. How about the Range Rover? His wife got that as well. And so I think about this, that if, if I don't know we could have saved his marriage, but I know we have saved others, at least in Dale Carnegie. And I know as coaches we have. So to say, if your relationship with your wife improves, what, what if it doesn't and you end up getting a divorce, how much is that going to cost you? It cost him everything. Would it have been worth spending $2,000 to fix, to potentially fix that? I think so. But if we don't ask those kind of questions, we're not able to help our client frame the value the right way. And so one, of, and, and this goes back to thank you for sharing that because so one of the contracts that we have in, in coaching mastery communities, so we've started to uh, create these contracts for coaches while they're getting the support, we're trying to connect them with organizations that uh, where they get to go coach clients, very high level clients there. Uh, obviously they would have to be in the community for a while and we have to know what kind of coaches they are, but um, we connect them with these organizations. And, and so both of the organizations were connected to their real estate mentoring organizations. And one of them that we're, is doing, going very well right now, we have three, we're running three group sessions at this point and we're selling packages for their members as well. Um, and what the way we moved that negotiation forward was mainly around, because they were talking about their clients. They really wanted to help their clients create financial abundance. Now they had a huge blind spot there. And, and because I had been in the industry for a while in the multifamily in, investors industry, because um, they were saying, and I asked them directly, like how many, what is your, what is, what are the percentage of people in your, in your group that actually end up getting a deal in, in the investment and in their investment deal? And mm -hmm. his goal was to give everybody these $50, uh, not 50, it's this blue coin, this big blue coin that shows that, hey, their efforts paid off. And okay. he wanted to give at least 50 of those by the end of the year. And what we found out is that, first of all, they weren't tracking it very well. Second, uh, it was very vague. And second, it was a small number of people. And they couldn't figure out why the rest of them weren't taking action. And in fact, their mentors, they had one-on-one -on -one mentors, they were getting frustrated. And I had seen the same thing in another industry, another sure, sure. organization too. And um, I asked them, like, a lot of times when these clients come in, they think that these mentors are supposed to help them with all their challenges because, uh, because they actually promoted them as coaches. <laughs> like, they will help me with all sorts of stuff, but they're not coaches. They're mentors, consultants in the real estate world. And they're pretty motivated. So they assume that whoever comes in, they'll be very motivated. They just tell them what to do and they will do it. But That's right. Yeah. Isn't that how it works? Isn't that how it works? Week after week, they come. It's like, well, I couldn't do it because this is going on in my life. That's going on. It's like, that's my problems. That's your... <laughs> and they get more and more frustrated. Obviously, they wouldn't talk like that, but they were getting in the, very frustrated in the background. Like, I'm supposed to just show them the real estate path. They're supposed to take action. And it's true. So I... I'll, and I told him just based on my experience, what I've seen is pretty much a good 60 to 80% don't take action because they have other challenges oh, yeah. that they don't know how to deal with. And your mentors are not qualified to do that. It goes towards their emotions. It goes towards their thoughts. It goes towards their relationships. It goes towards their, their finances. Mm -hmm. It goes towards other challenges that you don't know that is happening. And unless we deal with those areas, they're not doing anything. And so I have a one-on-one -on -one client in that area. He recently did a testimonial there too, is he wasn't taking action. He's like, when I started working with him, like I realized, holy shoot, this is one of the most motivated guys I've ever uh, met. How come he's not taking action? As he went deeper and deeper, we found out 
that, oh, he had a challenge with being able to express his thoughts and emotions with people. He couldn't express that vision to get supporters. So wow. that, I helped him in that area. He couldn't be open with his family. So he wasn't asking for the support that he needed. He, like these areas, you wouldn't even think like somebody who's selling a, consult, a coaching program in the real estate world that they would have challenges. As soon as he dealt with it, all of a sudden now he's teaming up with people. He's doing other things. Now to him, that's incredibly valuable. That's right. I wouldn't know unless I went into it. And the reason I was confident because I've seen this over yeah, and over that everybody deals with the same thing. Now that's true with almost every industry that you go into. So as you were talking to the guy about the coins, what happened? Um, so I haven't, that was the owner that the, the, the first conversation that we had was with the owner. And then after that, with the CEO, so far, they're getting amazing feedback in, in, from their community. Now, the third cohort that we're start, starting, they were like on a waiting. So, so look, the, the question I was asking is you said he'd, he'd, he was only giving away a few coins. And okay. it sounded like you were going to talk about how we could give away more coins. So no, I, so what I, what I, what we pitched is that if you can deal with these, help them deal with these challenges, one, they would give you the credit for whatever value they get from the process coaching process, but it's much more likely that they move towards that goal of getting that point. You betcha. That, that coin. Uh, and I'm hoping that as we go through the next couple of quarters, that they do translate that to that. But even if they don't, even if let's say they take that action later, they've gotten so much value in their life. Mm -hmm. Everything translates back to that program for them. You bet. So I, I have a question for you. Yes. What if you had asked him, so what's it going to mean to you to be able to give away 50 coins this year? And I'm not saying, I'm not asking if you did or did. What I am saying is if you had asked that question, so... Have you, have you imagined what it's like to give away that 50th coin? Yeah. Or to have 50 people up on stage at one time and you're yeah. giving- I didn't ask that. I should have asked that. <laughs> so again, so what happens is now, now we're tying to the emotion of the person who's making the decision. Yeah. Because ultimately, and this is, this is actually one of the misnomers is, is people think that uh, like if I'm talking to a group of folks, that the group makes a decision. No, one person always makes the decision. They may, you may be speaking to an influencer who can influence, but somebody is going to make the choice yep. in a business. In, in a government, not so much, and which is one of the reasons we have all the problems that we have, but that, that is a whole different podcast. And, and fortunately, the, the owner, because he started out, he was really good at business because he got involved with a bunch of people. He realized later on, I listened to his conversation on a podcast too, he realized later on that he needed to figure out his vision. He needed to figure out his purpose. Yeah. He needed to figure out all that stuff. And he did that much later on after a lot of mistakes. And so the, I think fortunately what happened was that whatever I was sharing, I think it was ringing very true for him. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. And, sure. and that's why I think the decision was made by him. After that, he was like, go ahead to CEO. Yeah. And his CEO moved it, moved it forward slowly. <clears throat> The funny thing is he didn't even know it was working in the background. He was so busy that after about the first call, <laughs> the CEO goes back to, hey, this program is working really well. We're about to start a second cohort. We're going to present it in our event. He's like, what? Why? How come you didn't tell me about it? <laughs> He's like, we should be pushing this forward. <laughs> He's like, what? He forgot about the whole thing, but that, that's business. <laughs> that is true. And, and it's always, it's always nice to have a program that's working so smoothly that they're like, I don't have to pay attention to it. It just works. I know they didn't even know it's working in the background, but uh, I, I, I think we've um, covered quite a bit in, in this conversation. I want to thank you, Jeff, for bringing so you much. Bet. My pleasure. Thanks for having me um, on. Yeah, no, no problem. Always a pleasure uh, to have you here and definitely watch uh, or listen to other conversations with Jeff. And also we recorded three conversations around, sales from the time that you're thinking about who are your ideal clients to having those intro conversations, 30 minute, 20 minute conversation. How do we reach out to people to do that, to having a full blown sales or strategy session or discovery call that would translate to a client or you offering a package. And then today we dealt more on the objection side of it. How, how, how do you handle those hesitations or objections? And and Jeff shared a lot of gold nuggets around that. So make sure you go ahead and implement that and ask yourself, well, what, what will it take for you to have the next few clients? Uh, more than likely, you will need to start reaching out to people. You need to start connecting with people at some level, whether it's in groups mm -hmm. or one-on-one, -on -one, you need to engage people. So go, go out there and do that. And until our next conversation. Well, next I was going to say, and one of the best groups to engage with is Coaching Mastery Community.
because yes. that's what the what the whole community is founded on. Yes, definitely. Thank you for reminding us, and and definitely like and share the post. And uh, by the way, our Facebook group, uh, group is free now, so I'll put the link under this video. You can join us. You have to answer a few questions. Uh, you need to be a certified coach uh, to be able to join. Uh, but we'd love to have you there. We're consistently adding value in our Facebook group, and it's free to join. And it's a new thing. It used to be a paid group. But we welcome you there. And thank you, Jeff, again, for uh, sharing all your insights. And you will find, be able to find all the information about Jeff underneath this, too. Thank you all. Hope you have an incredible day. All right. Bye. You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast.